This episode of Breaking Walls is sponsored by ArtFinder. Are you a painter, printmaker, photographer, designer, sculptor, or other kind of artist looking for a community in which to sell your wares? If you sign up for ArtFinder at artfinder.com by midnight Greenwich Mean Time on Thursday, December 15, 2016, using the Fast Track application code VRAJ1416, your application will be processed within 48 hours and you'll be put forward for inclusion in ArtFinder's new and notable collection for January of 2017. Once again, that fast track application code is VRAJ1416. Sign up today at ArtFinder.com. A R T F I N D E R.com. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode number 46. My name is James Scully. Today on Breaking Walls, I sit down with corporate art and design consultant Elle Neal for a chat about all of the things that she's learned in her life that have led her down paths to live, to laugh, and to love. As Elle will say in this podcast, it's time that we in this world stop living in fear, start living with love, and putting ourselves out there to get places that we internally know we want to go. Trust your intuition, trust that little voice in your head, trust those instincts, and don't be afraid of judgment. As you heard on the very beginning of the open, right now we've got a short-term sponsor, ArtFinder, ArtFinder.com. If you sign up for ArtFinder between now and December 15th of 2016, if you want to sell your wares through them, I sell my wares through them. I definitely recommend them. If you use the Fast Track application code VRAJ1416, your application will be fast tracked so that you can get there for processing faster and be included in the new and notables for January of 2017. As far as breaking walls goes, if you are interested in listening or subscribing to this podcast, you can do so at soundcloud.com slash the wall breakers. You can do so again at iTunes by searching for the wall breakers subscribing. If you're going to do that, please tell a friend, tell two friends, word of mouth, spread these podcasts around, rate us, review us. If you've got harsh criticisms, I want to hear that because I want to know how to keep getting better and keep breaking those walls. If you've got nice things to say, hey, it's the holiday season. I'd love to hear that as well. This has been a tumultuous month in the country of America. There are lots of hurt feelings because of the election that just came out. It, didn't, it seems to not matter what side of the coin that you find yourself on. There's a lot of bitterness going on right now. And it's really a good time for the holiday season to creep in because if we can allow those feelings of empathy and forgiveness back into our minds and our hearts and our souls, we can heal anything, guys. We're all people and we all want relatively the same things. Success, internal peace and happiness, financial stability to the point where we're not worried about how we're going to meet our bills. We're putting ourselves in the green or the black, not the red. And this is the kind of chat with Elle that she goes into things and we talk about specific things that have happened in her life. But we also talk a lot about just the way that she sees the world. I'm obviously somewhat like-minded, to say the least. 
but it's good because to be open, you have to be willing to hear the other side. And also to be open, it allows you to focus on intentions and not expectations. Put those intentions out there. Don't necessarily know what to expect in return, but be open and be willing to be happy. And that is something that takes conscious practice. L and I get into that. I'm not going to take up any more time on this open. So please stay tuned for Breaking Walls, episode number 46, tips on how to live, laugh, and love with L. Neal, right after this brief pause. What's up, guys? Back on Breaking Walls, and my guest this evening is L. Neal. She's a corporate art and design consultant, and I wanted to sit and speak with Elle, a very good friend of mine, about tips on how to live, laugh, and love, and a lot of what that means really is, you know, it's like what we were just talking about at dinner, how to live in the present, how to not fear the unknown, and how to remember that the things that we're most passionate about are also the things that we're most grateful for and therefore are the reasons why we're alive, right? Right. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for this. We're going to be releasing this podcast the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, and we're recording the week before that. So Thanksgiving and the upcoming holiday season is top of mind. We just got out of a very vicious election cycle where regardless of what side of the fence, if you are on in the, or around the fence, you're on, there's a lot of hurt feelings in this world right now. And last Tuesday didn't pacify them. They're still here. Hopefully the holiday season will. With all of that being said, truly, what are you feeling thankful for today in your life? You know, I think... And we talked about this at dinner. I think that every day that I wake up, I'm so grateful to have another day to manifest something in my life. And I don't really have any expectations for what that may be, but another day to be able to make shit happen, if you will, is what I'm most grateful for. How do you practice the mindfulness to live without expectations? Because you don't truly live with no expectations but you're not placing the burden of expectation upon yourself. So I think that expectations create this sense of pressure on yourself and a sense of stress on yourself and almost closes you off to a million other possibilities that you couldn't have even imagined. So oftentimes when somebody has an expectation It's this narrow-mindedness, one horse with blinders kind of thing where that expectation is what they're going to meet, and if they don't meet it, they're lost. And for me, in my mindfulness practice, I'm so curious about all of the other possibilities. So having this one set expectation, of course I have dreams and goals and desires and hopes and intentions. But I think that's really it. I think that intentions are what is to be set rather than 
an expectation because if your intention is to spread love and spread light and spread a message to the world, then no matter what you're going about doing during your day, that intention is still within you and it will, you know, radiate outside of you. But if you have this expectation that you're itching and clawing to get at, you're setting yourself up to only have one outcome. And oftentimes that outcome, even if it's achieved, it seems like you put it on a pedestal in your own mind to the degree where it could never live up to the expectation that you set for it. Right, and oftentimes when you get that expectation, you're still wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting for more. Because that's life, right? Because that's life. But what if there weren't these milestones of expectation and you just allowed everything to flow your way and that's what came to you and things just kept coming to you and kept coming to you because that's what you were putting out into the world rather than aching swimming upstream trying so hard to get what it is that you expected was going to be this end-all be-all and then end up having to continuously try again and again to get somewhere else. It makes me think of um, either a failed athlete or even a professional athlete when their career is over. Some athletes find their way very quickly and a lot of athletes, they go through a period of depression because their whole life to be a professional athlete, the singularity of thought where everything is trained and lived for this goal but let's say you're a major league baseball player for instance and your career ends at 36 years old now i'm sitting here as a 30 year old a 30 year old athlete as let's say a free agent you're on the wrong side of 30 your career is winding down and if you think about that if somebody walks away from a professional sport at 36 they've got potentially 55 years left of their life to live you know, we're talking very openly, both in this conversation, but I mean we're talking about being open to the unknown and not fearing it. But we live in a world that, for the most part, does fear the unknown. Because right. I think we're set, you know, the last guest that I had, Kat Rose, she was talking about, and you now she's a girl from Brighton, UK, we're sitting here in New York. So we live 5,000 miles from her. But she similarly was talking about um, the one thing and how we're, we're brought up to, well, what are you going to do? What's your focus? I was speaking to a relative of mine a few weeks ago who was telling me, I'm all over the place. What's what She asked me, what's one thing if you had to pick everything above else that you would do? And I said, well, I like this. I like that. I like." And she couldn't come, she couldn't grasp that. I couldn't answer that question. But the truth is that I didn't want to answer that question because I didn't want to limit myself. How do we live that practically on a day-to-day basis where we get up, we have to go to work, or we don't, you know, well, let me stop for a second and say, we have a certain amount of overhead where we've got bills, we've got groceries, we've got, you know, a desire to travel or things that cost us money potentially, an undetermined amount of money that we could figure out. How do we live openly in a practical way where what's for breakfast 
is it raining? You know, did you buy your cousin a Christmas gift? Or how, how do we translate this in your opinion? Now, you're speaking openly about your life. But when it comes to L, Thursday, 1.30 in the afternoon, how do you put that on the ground? This in the air theory, how does it have roots? So, you know, I think there's something to be said about having a purpose and having a destiny and allowing that knowing. And if you don't know it, you'll find out. And if you do know it, you have it in your heart and in your soul and whatever you do in the world. But that knowing, it's a, it's a burden and it's a blessing at the same time. Uh, a teacher once told me that she told me a story about a rabbi who carried two stones with him, always, stones in his pocket. And his students once asked him, why do you carry two stones? And he said, he pulled one out of his right pocket and he said, this one is to remind me of my higher purpose, my destiny, what it is that I'm really meant to do in this world. And it keeps me going. And he pulls out the other stone and he said, this one on the left side is a stone that reminds me that I am a human and I have to pay my bills and I have to deal with everything and I have to make sure my mom gets healthcare and I have to make sure that I, you know, take my kid to school I have to make sure that I deal with my human emotions. And I think that the ability to hold both of those stones at an equal regard and be mindful that there's something greater that you're striving for, but at the same time you have to be a human is what really allows me to get through the day. Because at 1.30 on a Thursday, I'm, you know, answering emails, going crazy, trying to do something for, you know, myself and make sure that I'm well nourished and take like, you know, self-love, take care of myself, eat, eat a good lunch. And so just being able to hold those two stones at an equal regard, I really think that that is what allows me to be so mindful and like knowing that there are those two sides of the coin. I really like that in today's world, we're now, let's say, 20 years into the internet era at this point, give or take. And I'm noticing yours and my perspective is far from unique in the people that I see. A lot of the people that I see on either a monthly or a daily or a weekly basis. I think that the world has gotten so fast and now Everybody's grandfather once said the same thing, you know, when they were a certain age. Right. But I like that what you just said about the two stones, but getting in your head about answering those emails at one thirty in the afternoon on a Thursday. You're everywhere but centered, right? But then you pull this rock out or you just think about it for a second. You take that moment to breathe, to close your eyes, to take a deep breath, to center yourself. And you remember that the higher calling is brought upon by walking the earth, by doing these things. The stuff you were mentioning, my mom needs health care. I have these things that I want to do. I'm hungry. What am I going to eat for dinner? Monday I was home 
and I had some things I had to do. And I decided that any task accomplished is a good thing. No task is too small to give yourself praise about. Because accomplishing something meant that even if it's as simple as buying groceries and feeding myself, and that's not a one-time thing, that's a continuous thing, but setting myself on that path, it's like the Eastern philosophy of um, running water never grows stagnant because it's constantly flowing. Right, and I think that a tip if you will, to live a lighter life is to look at everything you do with an act, as an act of self-love, you know? To allow yourself to think, to think to yourself, putting a dish in the dishwasher is, you know, making my place a little bit more clean, and if I only put one dish in that dishwasher, then good for me. If I do one load of laundry, that's me just saying, I want clean clothes for myself, I want to smell delicious, and I want to look lovely, you know? It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a matter of turning an act of, of a chore into an act of something that you cherish and something, like, for instance, food. I think preparing food for yourself is the highest form of self-love. And it's really how I, you know, got started in, like, on my journey to this land of good love where things just flow for me. And I think making my own food just showed me that I deserve that love and care and tenderness that I have the ability to give myself. And it opens the door for everyone else to give it to me also. Right. People gravitate towards positivity generally. Right. Can we go back to that moment then where you a, a switch got flipped in your head where you became a conscious human being consciously actively wanting to love yourself and there's a lot of self-hate in this world I think uh, the heroin and the pain medication epidemic is a, an offshoot of self-hate to me even if it doesn't start that way you are suddenly on this spiral and you can't get out of it or if someone is and some a lot of people do but can you expand upon the moments before you figured this out? What was your mindset like? Uh, as an example, before I was in this position, I can recall a very specific moment, probably about two and a half, three years ago now, sitting in my dining room and thinking to myself that there's no rational way that anything but the conscious body could exist. And I don't want to alienate anybody who doesn't believe in an afterlife or a reincarnation or anything like that, but I said, there's no way that there's a God. There's no way that there's a soul. There's no way that there's any of this stuff. There's no higher being. All there is is what this is on this earth. And I don't look at that and think to myself, that's comical. I look at that and think to myself, I'm so happy that I... I can't even imagine what that would be like anymore. Do you, can you recall what made that change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about, I want to say four years ago now, I was aimless. You know, I had gone from job to job to job, all good jobs, all jobs that I, you know, thought I enjoyed, all uh, event planning. That's what I had gone to school for. That's what I you know, really wanted to do. 
But I was just so angry. Why? I, I think I just, you know, was, I didn't know my purpose. I think I was just so confused and so angry. There was just no reason for me to continuously be doing what I was doing, long hours, all of that stuff. And it, and I didn't really see a light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't see a way out. I was like, what's next? No idea. Don't even have a clue what could be my passion, my purpose, my destiny, anything. And I remember the first time I ever met this teacher that really opened my eyes to a lot of this unknown world, if you will. She told me to close my eyes and immediately say what I wanted to do. Without thinking, nothing, just intuition. And what came out of my mouth was inspire. And ever since then, I built upon that and built upon that and built upon that and realized that the things that I do naturally, which is listen and communicate and be curious and, you know, really able to have compassion for others and help others. Those are things that I do so naturally that I wasn't even giving credit to. And that's just what made things start flowing for me. Just the fact that these things that I do naturally are my ticket. That's my destiny. That's my purpose. And when I started to realize that there was a bigger reason for me to have been on this journey, then I just started realizing that the journey was a friggin' pleasure, you know? Right. Why do you think, you know, you say a tiger trusts its instincts, right? Why isn't this taught more regularly in society? Is it just that we're New Yorkers or we come from a city that there's so much noise, all kinds of noise around us at all times? it's hard to block that stuff out and listen to the inner voice. It seems to me that we live in a world filled with expectations of all kinds that place burdens and they're ranging from things like, you don't drive a BMW, I can't date you, or, you you know, material things along those lines. Or, hey, did you get that done yet? Did you get that done yet? Did you get that done yet at work? And it's like, well, I can't do that. If you stand here and ask me this, because I can't concentrate, like those kinds of things. Do you see, in your opinion, either a break where some people are going more down those dark roads of of unconsciousness and other people going to the light? Or do you see a a vast... Is there a cataclysmic wake-up that's occurring around us right now and it's not happening like a bang where one day you wake up and there's a comet in the ground... But it's, it's going on behind the scenes, but it's happening right now in the present tense. How do you feel? Like, where do you see that right now? You know, I think in the now and the present moment, more than ever, a lot of people are thinking towards the future. And I think that there is this notion that 
the world is going to be a more mindful place. It kind of just has to be, especially with this election having just taken place. The need for such radical change is so apparent. It is. And, you know, whether or not the government is going to take responsibility and do that, and whether or not we are happy to say this happened, there's no denying that the people who are going to make a radical change are going to do it right now. You know, it is time. And I personally believe with my heart of hearts that it is time to stop facing fear and start facing love because this whole election was ran off of fear. And look at the outrage that it's brought upon all of these people who really, no matter if they believed in Hillary or not, believed in love and unity and equality and this, the fact that this world can be a peaceful place. And if so many people can believe that, then I think that message just spreads like wildfire. And who are we not to spread it? As you said that, I thought about the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence starts, we the people. Not talking about whether there was racial equality in 1776. Not, I don't mean it in that way, but I mean a declaration of independence that is 230 years old started, we the people. Government for the people, by the people. Now, government is an organizational body, right? But the point of it is, it's just like, how are we going to live life? We the people must decide. And I think we're at a point where you're absolutely right because... Regardless of what end of the spectrum you were on in this political season, what it was telling you was that the people of this country are sick and tired of the same thing. But also at the same time, we the people are in control of that. If we walk up tomorrow and we all decided, I don't care about Gucci. Gucci's going out of business because we the people put, you know, keep them in business. So if I may stop rambling for a moment. <laughs> you were mentioning to me that you were aimless a few minutes ago. Yeah, at one absolutely. Time. Now we're several years removed from that. That we are. And you were just giving me advice on abundance and facing fears. And, you know, you just said... It's time to stop facing fears to start. It's time to start facing love. And my whole demeanor and tone changed in that conversation at dinner because a truth came into my heart. And the truth was my heart and my mind were suddenly aligned with my soul because I know what I'm supposed to do. So if someone is feeling very conflicted about taking a step or about finding a new outcome for themselves because they feel like if they jump from that ledge to the next ledge and miss, they're going to fall to their death, you know, proverbially, what would you tell them? So, I mean, if I 
had any advice to give anyone, it would be to stand in their power and not in their fear. The law of attraction is a real thing. And it's not this outworldly spiritual thing. It's a real thing that everyone at some point in their life has experienced. And when you're standing in the energy of your power, you're giving the energy of your power out to everybody else so that the people who you want to attract are attracted to you. The, peop- the things that you want will come to you. When you know you're living the life that you want and that's it and, and you're not taking no for an answer, then that's what's going to come to you. Yes, yes, yes. But if you're standing in your fear, you know, maybe you're fearful about trying to make enough money or maybe you're fearful about leaving a job or maybe you're fearful about the way somebody is going to perceive you. That energy gets radiated onto everybody else and closes you off to opportunities that you could have never even dreamed of. So my advice is to stand in your own power. Stand there and make sure that it is seen and heard and known and allow yourself not to think, allow yourself not to worry. I always say worrying is sending like a GPS signal out to nowhere, but rather allow yourself to know, period. Allow yourself to know that this is what you deserve and this is leading you towards something bigger. So it's know your self-worth. Know your worth. And that's an internal thing that can't be measured by anybody else, right? It is an inside job if there ever was one. It makes me think of um, a Yankees pitcher, C.C. Sabathia. He, at the end of 2015, went to rehab. And shortly thereafter on ESPN... I won't name him, but um, an analyst was talking about how when he went to rehab for alcoholism and he was saying, I'm still an alcoholic. I wake up with that every day. It's something I have to fight every day of my life. And I thought about it and I said to myself, but you're just empowering that. You're not an alcoholic. You're not drinking. Just let it go. It's over. Like, Why is it that even when we repair ourselves, we... uh, as a society or whatever, we're taught to like, but you must carry the shame with you the rest of your life of failure. When What is failure? There's no such thing as failure. It's just experiences as we figure ourselves out, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, mistakes are just things that happen that need reframing, I think. And I think that, you know, it's, a lot of us carry around a lot of weight on our shoulders, no matter if it's fear or if it's our dreams and our goals, no matter what, you know, the, the need to be somewhere else when you're here and the need to be someone else or another version of you when you're just you puts on so much stress and so much weight on somebody's shoulders. And that stress and expectation and that needing to be somewhere else, needing to be someone else, needing to be just not present in time. Listen, patience is not my virtue and it never has been. Mine neither. (laughs) But realizing that 
when you don't set those expectations and when you kind of just go with the flow and do what you what comes naturally to you that it allows you to achieve the goals and dreams that you have like tenfold still organically with a sparkle in your eye and being able to really like even so much as doe-eyed be like I don't even know how I got here I think that's the dream that's the goal for me at least you know that's what I keep in my mind like the journey that's it the journey is the joy and so really putting pressure on yourself and like putting these weights of your goals and dreams on your shoulders just doesn't you know you got to step back and say does this serve me are you good at talking to strangers i love talking to strangers what goes through your mind before you go up to that person it seems to me you're not thinking about how they're going to perceive you you're busy looking at them you know i'm a noticer so i don't really love to judge people i just love to notice things about them and the ability to go up to a stranger and have a conversation and ask curious questions and realize that every single person's soul is so different it's a blessing to be able to have that diversity no matter what you look like no matter what you know what gender you are what race you are what ethnic you know nothing it doesn't matter because it's just a conversation amongst two souls and you never know what somebody's life is so it's just enlightening to be able to have a conversation and listen and allow somebody to open up to you and allow them to really get their juices flowing and those curious questions that I love to ask strangers you know I love to ask my friends I love to ask my family they really permeate a part in your mind and your heart and your soul that almost you know that needed to be activated and that's sometimes why I feel like strangers talk to me or I talk to strangers because I feel that way all the time like if an old lady asks me for help in an airport and we get to having a conversation about like where she's traveling and how I've always wanted to go to Peru you know and it's just this human connection that feels so much deeper. So part of feeling self-worth is not isolating yourself amongst other living people by connecting with them and realizing that we're all different but we're all the same too at the same time. Totally. My best friend Gina always says we're all just meat suits, you know? We're all just souls wearing meat suits and that's what it is. You grew up in New York, though. Yes. So, so did I. So our experience is a very urban one. It is an urban one and an independent one and a wild ride, for sure. <laughs> and you're an only child. I am an only child. And now you come from a family with parents that are both very professional. Yes, I like to refer to them as executive hippies. Okay. They're great. <laughs> they, um, you know, they have always traveled and always been in business but I've grown up with such great role models to be able to see you know the hustle but also the ability to sit back and let things come to you okay now you currently work for and with your mom I do 
can you talk to me about this situation? Absolutely. <clears throat> um, so I, I think it's important to give a little bit of background as to how I started working for my family company. Um, about two and a half years ago, I accepted a job on Wall Street completely against my intuition. Um, I got offered a big fat paycheck and my gut said, don't take it. You're going to be in the same place you are now, like itching and searching to get out of your job and, you know, wanting to do something different with your life, trying, still trying to figure out what's next, just a year postponed. But my mind was so lured into that check that I took that job and immediately I was miserable. Um, I was waiting for the first two weeks. I was sick as a dog, knew that something was really up with me, like was just not comfortable in the situation at all. And I got my, I'm, I'm waiting for my paycheck, my first paycheck. I'm so excited to see the number on that. Like I had no idea what, you know, after taxes and everything would happen. And I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm going to have enough money to do everything. And I get the paycheck and after taxes and benefits and everything, it turns out I'm only making $150 more bi-weekly. Than you were previously? Than I was previously at a cushy job. Like, could not have had it any easier, but just wanted to make more money. And so when I realized that, I was like, oh my God, like, I have, like, there's no choice but to accept that I have gone against my intuition here. And it was a grandiose lesson that I learned to how to accept the fact that you betrayed your own intuition. It's a big lesson. It's something that I, you know, didn't understand until I had to undertake it. I had to reframe my situation. So I may have had a little bit more money, but the abundance of that money was not what I was seeking out. I was like, give me, give me, give me everything that I could possibly get outside of work. I want an abundance of learning. I want an abundance of positivity. I want an abundance of creativity. I want an abundance of helping others. And I figured out that this job you know, this reframing of my perception of what this job was and what this job meant to me was that it was a bridge to get me to where I was going. And I had no freaking idea where I was going. But by the time, and in this time, I had enrolled in a life coaching certification course. And it was a nine-month course, and it was so intense. And I was talking to everybody, and I was learning different pathways to get into people's brains. And I was listening to all my clients on Wall Street all at the same time. And I was like, I, this is a bridge to get me to where I'm going. And I have no idea where I'm going. But when I graduated from that certificate, like certification course, I knew that where I was no longer served me and I had to go somewhere else. Just so happens that simultaneously, my mom's company, who Rare Culture. Rare Culture, 
And I am so grateful for her entrepreneurial spirit and having built this huge company, you know, this company that gets more and more traction every day, got triple the business that they normally got. And she asked me to come on. So I was thankful for this bridge and I knew that it would land me on solid ground no matter what I did. And I knew in my heart of hearts that this coaching thing, this speaking engagements, this being heard, spreading a message, writing a book, I knew that that would manifest one day and I had to make money. So I started working for my family company and you know, it, it came along, especially after having built such a, you know, reputable career for five years, it came along with a lot of perceptions that were in my own heart and in my own mind. Um, and it came along with a lot of dynamic change, you know, it came along with a lot of family dynamic change. And I was extremely fearful and extremely hesitant to go into it. And that definitely brought up, you know, a lot of stuff within me to not feel as independent as I really am because I'm making money from my parents, you know, my family business, um, being looked at as, you know, spoiled or entitled or like, you know, this is the cushy job. It's so easy. You know, that that fear of being perceived that way really made me project that onto the relationship between my mom and I in the beginning of our working relationship. But us being the people that we are and being so mindful and so spiritual, and I'm so lucky that she follows in my path, we have over the year and a half that I've been working at Rare Culture, which is an amazing company, and I'm so fortunate to be able to work with my intuition and my eyes and my creativity every single day. Um, but being able to have that spiritual connection and, and being able to say, hey, your energy's off, or being able to say, my energy's off today, I, you know, it's really not, not the day to mess with me, being able to be aware and alive and awake to all of that allows for a more smooth day, a more smooth transition, a more smooth work life. You know, it's easy for me to get caught up in rare culture. Like, and I, you know, we have 10 projects going at once. We're doing art, huge art installations at all in all these hotels, like everywhere you can think of and projects keep coming and coming and coming and I have this desire to do something else too so where that comes in is also a little bit of this resentment whereas I know that I have to make money to survive to pay my bills to hold the stone on you know to hold the stone on the left hand side but this stone on the right hand side it's always yapping in my ear, always talking to my heart, pulling on my strings, you know, making sure that they, I know it's still there. And so sometimes that infiltrates into my job. And in the past, it hasn't been in a, 
you know, a good mashup kind of way where like the songs seamlessly go back to back to back to back. And slowly but surely as I've been more grateful and more understanding and more um, involved in the company, my spiritual side has allowed itself to trickle into my communication with my clients. The way that I talk to an artist and ask them curious questions about their work when I go to their studio, the way that they communicate back with me, it's just a deeper level of connection. And so I think that it allows me to creatively communicate my inspiration and regardless of what I'm doing, if I'm talking to somebody and tell, you know, asking them questions about their problems or talking to somebody about putting a 40-foot art installation onto a wall, that it's just a deeper connection. It's just a inspiration and passion, all of that mixing together and allowing itself to kind of manifest into whatever it is. And it's nothing that I would have expected. You know, it's just my intention of putting that out into the world. Seems to me some of gratitude is what you just said. Well, what you just said, all of what you said (laughs) is, is about gratitude. But I mean, specifically, gratitude is the unexpected in a lot of ways, right? Absolutely, I because mean... Because if you expect it, how can you be grateful for it? Right. I always say gratitude is being thankful for your 10 fingers and your 10 toes and being able to step outside for a breath of fresh air and being able to take three deep breaths at a time and being able to close your eyes and know what it is that you want to do. That's, that's what gratitude is for me. It's the tiny, teeny, tiniest little things that really amp it up. And that, and if you're grateful to have another day to live life, and that's the baseline. That's a good baseline. That's a great baseline. Yeah. I mean, everything that comes at you that's a lesson or a blessing is what you're grateful for. There have been tons of turmoil in my life, you know? There have been tons of things that I've been heartbroken about, taken aback about, you know, like totally let down about but allowing myself to know that whatever's happening to me is happening for me on this cosmic friggin level is well that's interesting that you just said that things don't happen to us they happen for us the difference between those two statements is perspective right it's like uh he's behaving that way to me No, you're allowing him to behave that way to you. And actually, it's teaching you to not allow that if that's the, you know, as like an example. Or you mentioned just a few minutes ago about the insecurities that you were facing from perceived notions of judgment or just changes in relationship dynamics by working for your parents. So on the outside of that, someone might say... Oh, look at you. You work for your parents. You can never be fired. What a kutchy situation. And on the other side of that is, yeah, but I work with my mom. So our relationship isn't just a personal, I'll see you once a month. We'll talk twice a week. I work with my mom. I see her every day. She's still my mom, but she's also the owner of the company that I work for. So one could look at that 
as a negative if they wanted to because one could look at anything as a negative, but right. why not look at it as the positive? If the glass is always half empty, you're going to wind up eventually putting a shotgun under your jaw and blowing your head off like Hemingway or something like that. You know, it's, it's just, it's crazy to me how simple it is when we sit here and have these kinds of conversations to carry this light forward. But at Thursday at 1.30 in the afternoon when you're five minutes late to a meeting and somebody's asking you something and there's chaos around you, of course, you know, the, the I think it's Rudyard Kipling, the quote, uh, you'll be a man when... All those are losing their head around you and blaming you, and you can keep yours. You know, then you're a man. Right. Uh, uh, but as it's it, it's the two stones thing. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, to to be honest, it's like I feel as though I almost had to go through this. Of course, right? And it's happening for me. Like I feel as though this is yet another bridge to my greatness and maybe it's something that's going to be you know included in the entire thing and maybe it's something and maybe it's just a stepping stone but if we look at everything we do as a stepping stone unless we take those steps yeah we're not going to get anywhere right i said on the epilogue of the last episode and i never rehearse these things i just talk as a stream of consciousness on purpose right you can't get to step two if you're not afraid, if you're too afraid to take the step from step one to step two. But when you do that and then go to step three, you'll look back at step one. It's like being in the ninth grade and looking back at yourself in the seventh grade. And you can't even comprehend going back there. It's like I said about the sitting in my dining room and thinking to myself, there's no such thing as God. There's no such thing as a soul or a spirit. And I've had so many experiences all throughout my life that have made me think deeply, like you're saying. I can't even comprehend thinking about it the other way anymore. That if we remove God and spirit and things like that, what I was actually saying in that moment was everything is face value and shallow. And that can't be any further from the truth. I like that this conversation that we're having tonight has been a little bit more ethereal. We're talking about notions of how to live our lives, and now we've tied it back to actualities that go on in your day-to-day life, but gratitude is a notion. You can't have it for lunch, but you can be grateful for what you're eating for lunch. And I want to just bring up for a second something you said a few minutes ago. Close your eyes and think of the first thing that comes to mind. And you said, I want to inspire. You didn't say, I want to be a doctor. You said, I want to inspire. Being a doctor means you want to help. That you are a doctor is just the means to the end. And the, while there is no true end, everything is a journey because time is continuous. I really like that you said that. You didn't say, I want to be an event planner. You said, I want to inspire others. And that's what your soul talks about. That Your soul talks about the highest picture there is. The most, the, the biggest, most holistic picture. No, you know, no matter how the hell I'm going to inspire. My, you will inspire. I will inspire. Right. And yeah. it's not setting an expectation. It's no. setting this crazy intention to change the world. 
And by not setting expectation, only setting intention, what you're actually doing is leaving yourself open, like we've talked about, to get to whatever that expectation is from a, a large variety of different ways. There's more than one way to skin a cat, right? That's right. like a... Sorry for all you cat lovers out there. <laughs> that's one way to... You know, it's a, it's a phrase. It's how we describe something. Sorry, Mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want to go back to something else really quickly, and I apologize because I'm thinking on the fly here as no we doubt. talk. No doubt. Well, it's Thanksgiving next week. A lot of times I've heard recently people say things like, yeah, well, in that first Thanksgiving, what we later did was rape and pillage the Indians, so really, what do we really have to be thankful for? And it's so easy to carry that negativity through. And you said... I've had a lot of turmoil in my life. But you shouldn't carry the baggage with you, right? Even that word, baggage. Baggage is heavy. Heavy. Put that down. That's what I'm saying. Be light. Be on a trampoline. The baggage is meant to teach us things to increase how high we can go, not how much we're weighted down. By what? I still, I like, anytime that I think about expectations for myself these days as I advance the evolution of who James Scully is. Being happy and the ethereal kind of conversation that we're having tonight, even that, that, that term, ethereal, it's light, it's airy, it's angelic. We're brought up now in a society in 2016 that does teach, although it's changing back the other way, that money is the only you know, route to happiness and organized religion, fuck those weirdos, and, you know, things like that. But, tangibly, we're a week away from Thanksgiving. What stands out in your mind about Thanksgiving as a holiday for you? It's my favorite holiday. I've always thought it was my favorite holiday because it's the start of the holiday season, and I've always found Christmas for me to be slightly depressing as a teenager especially, because once the presents were over, I, I didn't fully grasp the uh, emotions behind Christmas. But, with that being said, what does Thanksgiving mean to you? You know, Thanksgiving means getting together with my family, being able to have a wonderful, deep, intimate conversation about everything and anything that's going on with our lives and maybe one person gets too drunk and we get a good laugh out of it but for me I give thanks every single day and Thanksgiving is just another day to be thankful for the love that I have around me and to be thankful that I have this ability and this power and to be thankful that everyone is just as resourceful as I am to live this lighter life and to have this gratitude in their hearts and to wake up every day being like, hell yeah, today's another day. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited about it. The truth is that our lives are going really well. Even if there are moments where we feel like they're not things that we're struggling with. And there are people in this world that are not as fortunate as we are. And we know it. If it just so happens that somebody 
who is truly not fortunate happens to be listening to this, I, I just want to say, and I don't want to speak for you, but reach out to me, please. If I can help in some way, I would love to. Same but, here. But I wonder, I'm try, I guess I'm trying to think of like how can we help someone like that? And maybe that's all it is. It's, I think we're, we're New Yorkers. I sometimes am numb to a panhandler or numb to something because New York is a city of rackets. And it makes me think of a few months ago, I was leaving um, Katz's Deli with a friend of mine. And I had half of the pastrami sandwich left because it was like instant, I can't finish this. As soon as I started eating it, it was like, this is way too intense. I, I can't eat this. Those it's things are fatty. huge. Yeah. But as I was leaving, there was construction going on like next door to Katz where like they're building something in that area. So you had that kind of thing where uh, they built a fake pedestrian walkway into the street and, and sectioned it off with like plastic cones and things right. like that. And there was a homeless guy, or maybe he wasn't homeless, but there was a guy sitting on one of the cones. And as I walked by, he said something along the lines of, do you want that half sandwich? I'm really hungry. And I'm almost so numb to panhandlers, being that I ride the subway and I walk through the city, that I kind of turned and looked at him for a second and stopped, and then I just said, here, take it. I don't, I don't need it. And, but that night when I got home, I thought about that. And I, and I realized that, like the stark contrast between, do you have money? Or, I'm really hungry, can I have that sandwich? You don't fake hunger. You know, and like Thanksgiving is a holiday where we eat an abundance of food. We, we talk about the abundance of, of family, of love, of edible things, of pies. It's such an American holiday. It is, it's quite possibly goes down in history as the first American holiday. I don't really have any point that I'm trying to make other than... No, I think that the point you're trying to make is how can we help and what can we do to pass it on you know to pass on this this warm and loving light that we both have inside of us and I think actually I know that a question that is not asked enough in our society is what do you need and I think that that is really what it gets down to like if you had if you had turned to him and you had asked what do you need? He would have said food and you would have understood him on a totally different level. Right. It's so rare for somebody to ask, what do you need? And somebody to come back and really say what they need. Yeah. And that would just change the dynamic. It would change a perspective. It would show you that everybody needs something, right? Everybody needs something, and maybe people's needs are different, but we're all so, we're all human. We're all the same. We're all on the same level. We all have needs. We all have desires. We all have dreams. We all have goals. We all have souls. Don't turn that empathy off either. Never. Like, never turn that off. Compassion is what we need to heal this country. We need to heal this world with, you know? It's not turning against each other and being fearful of the people who voted for the fearful side of things. It's, 
you know, turning to the people and saying, what do you need? And that fearful side of things, by the way, is your perspective. Right. They might say the opposite right. on the other side. Right, exactly. But, and, but if you think but about that, think, that's the same thing. Right. Two sides saying the other side is the fearful one. Exactly. It's it's a two double-sided coin, if you will. You know, it's uh, everybody. It's not, you know, that's maybe my perspective exactly like you said, but it's everybody. If everybody turned to each other and said, what do you need? It would be at least a more understandable world. And what that person needs would be something that we could all relate to because it's so much simpler than we make it out to be. Like I always say, if the door is open for you to go through something, the door is open for everybody else to go through something. And I, I don't think that people, especially in terms of community and tribes, take that so seriously, you know, all the time. I think that it needs to be taken more seriously, that everybody who goes through something has the potential to have somebody else that's gone through the same thing that they can talk to about it and they can, you know, just kind of collaborate on with or, you know, go through with or talk it out with. And I think that just, especially during Thanksgiving, needs to be more vital. Yeah. Yeah. What you just said... We need to take it more seriously. It's almost like we have to take it more seriously so we could stop taking everything else so fucking seriously <laughs> and just lighten up. Yeah, lighten the load, man. It is, it, it, you know, I, like I've said, I've been through so much, you know, different things, turmoil, you know, different situations, dating, heartbreaks, like, you know, weight loss, journeys, all of these different things in life that really have shaped me as who I am. And without that, and without the knowing that somebody else has gone through that, it's a lonely and it's a scary world. But being able to embrace the community around it, being able to embrace the gratitude that you have for having gotten yourself out of a situation and come out of it on the other side still upbeat and positive and optimistic as ever and enthusiastic about life and about what's next that's the the meat of it yeah it is so what is next for you oh what's next is just really allowing everything to manifest like i said being grateful for every day it's not an expectation is of what is next. What is next is I would love, my intention is to be heard, to be a radical change maker, to enlighten people, to like help people figure out their own resourcefulness and figure out that they can live a lighter life and, you know, continue making this world a more beautiful place, a more awesome place to travel to different destinations you know there are so many different things that's next for me that the possibilities are endless and to give you a narrow answer would just be doing myself a disservice okay Uh, that's totally fair what would you like to plug what would I like to plug I would love to plug rare culture of course because for that I would not be 
paying my bills and being inspired every day by looking at art. So definitely check out rareculture.com. It is awesome. We have a ton of new projects coming up and we're always looking for artists and you know people to work with and collaborate with. Um, also, I would love to plug myself <laughs> and put the ego in here for a tiny little second. Um, I love helping people and it's actually what brings me the most joy. So like James said, if you need help, he's open. If you need help, I'm open. My website is lneal.com. Can you spell that? E-L-L-E-N-E-A-L-E.com. And you can email me, contact me, happy to have a chat. Just, you know, shoot the shit if you will, if you want some kind of discovery session, if you have goals you want to work on, I'm totally open. I'm also love to speak in public and have this message of love and light heard. So that's what I want to plug. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you. much for this chat. This has been so lovely, James. It's I... always wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. And another lovely episode. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Once again, like she said at the end there, if you'd like to reach out to her, you can do so at l at lneal.com. That's E-L-L-E-N-E-A-L-E.com. Her website is lneal.com. And you can also search for her by searching for L Lackow, L-A-C-H-O-W, on LinkedIn. If you want to check out the company that her and her family runs, it's rareculture.com, spelled like you would think, R-A-R-E-C-U-L. T-U-R-E.com. El, thank you again. I love connecting with people in this manner because I am as much a student as a facilitator during these conversations. I hope that if you guys were listening, that you were doing so with an open point of view because I think that is how this kind of chat can really hit home. If you found yourself listening to this episode and thinking to yourself, what do these two know? That's fine. Sometimes we have to be in a closed state too because we have to put those feelings of defiance, feelings of I'm better than this bullshit into our minds and our hearts in order to get past that point and be more open. So that's okay. When I say be open, what I'm really trying to say is be willing to be progressive. Don't beat yourself up over things. Just keep getting out there. Don't worry about the past. Worry about the present. It's the only time frame that we're living in. And that's something about this week being Thanksgiving that always hits home for me. Thanksgiving is one of these holidays in America that the core essence of it is gratitude. That's why the topic on the wall breakers this month has been gratitude. We can all find things in our lives that we're grateful for. I don't want to preach it, you guys. I really, what I want to say is happy Thanksgiving. I hope that this Thursday for Thanksgiving, you have a wonderful day with friends or family or loved ones and you can be reflective about your own set of circumstances in life, figuring out new ways to keep pushing forward, to keep allowing the lights that are burning with inside of us to shine bright and don't be doled out by the low vibrations that we sometimes encounter around us. As I said on the open, there are many ways to subscribe to this podcast. If it's the first time you're listening, you can do so at soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers. You can do so on iTunes by searching for The Wallbreakers. You can come to thewallbreakers.com and see the podcast in the handy right-hand rail. It's especially good on desktop if you are on mobile. I run the site, 
as the same as desktop, I have to develop a mobile site. What I think I'm going to do is just make a responsive site, and this way, no matter where you are, whatever device you're on, it'll be an optimal viewing experience. It's definitely something in my mind. Or creating a mobile app. It's 2017. I don't have a mobile app. Perhaps I should do that. If you guys have thoughts and tips on where you think we should go next with the Wall Breakers community, I'm very much interested in hearing your opinion on it and hearing your constructive criticism and your positive feedback. You can drop me a line at james at thewallbreakers.com. I have a very public email. And if you have anything else, if you've just been looking for somebody to talk to, if you have an idea and you want to bounce it off of somebody, if you feel any reason positively to reach out to me at all, please go ahead and do so. I will try to be back to you in a timely manner and keep the conversation going. It's these open lines of communication that create that progress, that push us forward, and that give us the opportunity to be grateful for what's going on in our lives at a time like this for Thanksgiving. Once again, guys, happy Thanksgiving. Keep getting out there. Keep breaking those walls. My name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls, episode number 46. And until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much. Thank you.